Today we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 15, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there. But uh, I want to just extend a, uh, a warm thank you to Brother Gary, Brother Ronnie, and Brother Galen, and the rest of the church staff, and uh, all the members here. You guys can give a hand to the Lord for what you've done faithfully to the Lord over the past couple of years. I don't know if you know it, but you already have given to the work that I've done. We, we haven't met each other. Uh, most of us haven't seen each other. But do you know that you've already contributed to work not only in, uh, that, that I've been a part of, not only in, you know that uh, you guys have already given to what's called the cooperative program. The cooperative program uh, is, is the uh, Southern Baptists around the United States and around the world that are giving together to kind of corporately share in this mission idea, share in this uh, great commission task. And you guys have been given faithfully for years to that. So you don't know, but you also have given to what's called Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Uh, you guys made your goal last year, from what I understand, too. And that also goes directly to support missionaries like on the international mission field. And I don't know what you've heard about uh, recently about the International Mission Board and what's been going on in leadership and that sort of things. But I'm going to tell you one thing for sure. We are still sharing the gospel with your dollars in, in places that you can't access yourself because you give so that other people can go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The IMB does exist to uh, empower uh, limitless missionaries and missionaries' teams to make disciples and plant churches among lost peoples and places around the world. And that's what we've been a part of. So today I've, I've titled my sermon, Love for What is Lost, or Love for the Lost. Uh, and it's, a, it's out of the parable of Luke chapter 15. Are you guys there already? All right. Let me just uh, start out with this. Are parables not just an interesting thing? They're, they're like kind of these crafty, amazing creatures, right? Um, if you're not careful, you can miss the subtle undertones of these parables. Oftentimes when Jesus would tell a parable, he would tell it in the face of maybe his opposition. And so there was always this little background understanding that if you knew it, you're like, oh, that was pretty sly on Jesus' part. And he may not look so much like a, like a, like a soft and easy kind of guy, but sometimes he, he, he has a... Uh, a power pack punch. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson knockout. I used to play that video game when I was a kid. I know I'm dating myself with Atari, you guys. But I tell you what, if we're not careful, we can miss those subtle clues and those subtle truths that we need to hear in our hearts, right? Just like when I was in I was walking, traversing, I should say, the, the jungles of deep bush country and, uh, of course, I was on a fishing trip because I like fishing. And I don't know if you know it, but what I do for a business there, or the way I'm able to stay in this country that I'm is I run a fly fishing outfitter service, and I run it through a tourism company where I can book tours and stuff. So I'm actually doing fly fishing and fishing, a passion in my life that you're going to hear about in just a second, in order to share the gospel. So I was taking this guy out named... Z, we're going to call him by that name for security reasons. Z and I went out on this jungle trek. My intention on that jungle trek was to share Jesus with him. And I didn't know how to do it. So here we are traversing this uh, jungle, getting up this river to go fish for some fish. And all of a sudden, we walk up and we just have to pause. Because hanging in the tree, I don't know if you're familiar about jungles, but, but sometimes they're snakes. All right? And we walked up on something that was there in that tree. This probably, let's get a little bit closer. It's probably from this, if that was a branch, it's from there to here to us. 
And it was either the biggest python I've ever seen in my life or a medium-sized anaconda. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we miss the truth of a parable because we're just not looking. Luckily, that day we looked, and I backed off. And it gave me the perfect opportunity to try to share with my friend Z about the serpent in the Bible. The serpent in the first two, three chapters of the, the book of Genesis. How the sneaky serpent sometimes comes along and tries to deceive us. I started that story with, story with him, and he shut me down. But it's okay. We are still trying to look for these ideas. These, these ways to communicate to, to um, lost people. These lumps of coal. Like these parables are trying to communicate to us. One author described parables as a lump of coal that's squeezed in the diamond. A lump of coal that's squeezed in, that's a parable. So let's look at today. Let's pray and walk through these, these imaginary gardens of God's word. And let's try to pull some of this material out. Now one thing that's interesting that we need to preface before we get started is this. Have you ever heard why Jesus spoke in parables all the time? I mean, why didn't he just tell his disciples plainly? I mean, the disciples often were confused about, well, why do you always speak in parables? Why do you always do this? Well, there's an interesting verse where Jesus says why he speaks in parables. It's in Luke chapter 8, verse 9 and 10. You don't have to go there because I want you to stay in Luke. But I'm going to read it to you. It says, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he says, To you, to who? His disciples, his belief. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others... They are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, how would it be if I was walking through that jungle, and I looked at that, and I didn't see that snake, and I just kind of kept walking right up to him, and, whew. So Jesus says, it's for us to understand the secrets that are in these treasures, these lumps of coal that are squeezed in the diamond. It's for us to know. That means you get God's power, the ultimate creators, the power of the universe's ability, if you're a believer, to hear and understand what is in this word of God. But be careful, right? Let's, Let's caution our approach just a bit. Be careful, because these are also like landmines. Maybe, maybe for those that aren't believers or those that aren't following God, they're like landmines and they're hostile. You might walk up on it and cause yourself a, some damage because you're not listening to the explosive power that's behind it. So we're going to read it and we're going to repeat, repeat it and we're going to read it again. Let's do, just join in the Luke chapter 15 here. Here we go. Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read starting in verse 8 through 10. Or what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin and does not light a lamp, does does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her women, friends, and neighbors together and saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God, God's angels, over one sinner who repents. I'm going to read it one more time. Or what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? But when she finds it, she calls her women, friends, and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the silver coin I have lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Now, I heard you the past Sunday, you're a pretty interactive crowd. So, like, if I say something that's, like, truthful, you're probably going to say something like, Amen. All right. So we're going to do that right now. I'm going to have someone tell me, how does this story 
parable begin? There's a woman. And the woman has what happens to the what happens to her in the story? She loses one from the ten. And then she looks diligently, she sweeps, she lights a lamp, and she searches until when she finds it, good job. When she Yeah, okay, yeah, one one at a time. She knows the whole story. She's done this one before. <laughs> Good job. She has done this before. So she uh, she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors and says to them because And then there's a little switch there, isn't there? And then it, it switches to this. Look what it says. It says I tell you, this is Jesus kind of explaining the parable. This is the treasure that you get to know as a believer. And you can know if you're not a believer. If you're not a believer, you've never accepted Jesus, you're not a born-again believer in this place, then guess what? God has given you today access to the power of God. Access to understand His truth about the world, about why you're in it, and where you are, where you're going, and what you're doing. So listen in, because this is a truth from God. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angel over one sinner who repents. Brother, sister, if you're here and you've not repented of your sins, this is for you too. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. He wants you to join with his plan. So we kind of got two parts, don't we? We got the the parable part, which is verses 8 and 9. Then we got the the scene in heaven where God's kind of explaining the parable, right? You guys got that down pretty good? So let's look at the first part. The first part, we're really trying to find what's the meaning of this parable. So the questions we ask are, are what's the whole story trying to say to us? Now, I, want, I wonder if there, is there one person in here that can repeat to us that whole parable? And wants to get it a shot? I'll lead you through it if you're scared. Does that mean we go to eat early? It could mean. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it could mean it. All right, Brother Ron, you ready? Well, this woman. Okay, is she? Uh huh. And all of a sudden, there it is. She finds it. She found it. She found it. And I'm telling you now, and she was overjoyed. Uh huh, then? And so she calls her friends in. Uh huh. And she says, Guess what? I found that which was lost. Yes, and then could someone tell us verse 10? What happened then? Jesus explained the parable. He said, What? Yeah, I tell you the truth, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. More joy. So let's look at it. You ever lost your keys to your car? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna switch this to you ever lost your cell phone? I'm gonna tell you something. I get some anxiety when I lose my cell phone. Anybody else? You can testify to that? All right. Now what happens when you lose your cell phone? You start looking, don't you? Man, dang it. You mean you're like, oh, where's my phone? Right? Why do we do that? Because for some reason we think that the cell phone has a value to us. Just like the car keys. You lose your car keys. You can't, you can't use your car. You search for them. Why do you search for them? Because it has a value. Right? 
The same way with the woman. Ten silver coins is a good deal of money for a woman in, in that age. Okay? And she's losing one silver coin. Of course she's going to look for it because it has a value. Right? Now, I'm not going to say that, that, uh, that the value of a car or a cell phone is greater than the value of heaven. But sometimes we get a little anxious about that, don't we? You know where I'm going with that, don't you? How anxious we get about the kingdom things. Right? Now, the value she places on that coin supersedes all other concerns. In the same way that, that I'm not worried about my kid not being dressed at the moment my cell phone's lost, or I'm not worried about uh, where my wallet is at the, at the time I'm looking for my keys, the thing that this, this lady values is that coin, and it supersedes all her other, other interests, all her other duties, all her other things that she She stops everything, begins to look diligently for the coin which she has lost. Correct? She lights a lamp so she can see. She sweeps the house. She looks, and, and the Bible, when it says diligent... She had a mission, and she was on it until she found it. I, I, would, I would venture a guess that there are some deer hunters, some fishermen in this church. Give me some, somebody testify to that. Anybody? We got two people here. Anybody else like fishing hunting? All right, all right. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Yesterday, I went out fishing. It's about 50 degrees, right? Usually when you go fishing in the White River, in the Norfolk River, you wear waders, right? I like fishing so much, I wore no waders. In fact, I've been on the Norfolk River one time, and I was so cold, it was snowing, there wasn't another soul out there. It was snowing. My ice, the rod tips on my, on my rod were freezing with ice. It was so cold. And I sat there and sat there and sat there and fished and fished and fished, maybe caught one fish. And finally, I was like, man, I think I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to go to the car. I was uncomfortable. I went to the car. I turned the car on a little bit. And I felt my body going through hypothermia. I don't know if you ever felt that. When you, when you know you're actually, like, falling asleep because you're shutting down because your body's so cold, that was me. But you know what? Fishing superseded all my other concerns. I, I've been in a deer blind freezing, Right? Because the, what I love or what I want more than that, I love hunting and fishing so much that it supersedes all my other concerns. I've gone all day fishing without eating a bite. But you asked me to fast for Jesus. Oh, me. Oh, me. Yeah, you, you're, we're there too, right? It's, it's not just, it's, it's all of us. We're right there, aren't we? So I wonder why in this particular parable, God illustrates this woman as as having such value on the coin that she, she, she loses all her interest. Every other interest is gone besides finding that coin. And when she finds it... Now, there's one other thing. When she finds it, she calls her, her woman friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me because I have found this, the silver coin I lost. I want you to imagine just for a second that you finally do get that trophy buck. That trout of a lifetime. You find those car keys that you have been, <laughs> have been lost for a long time or that phone. The kind of joy that goes through your heart. It, it, it's amazing. Now, amplify, amplify that to the scene of heaven that we're about to see. Because the second part is the scene of heaven, right? Uh, imagine that you're at, I mean, this is, this is a worldly example. It's not good enough. But you're at a, hopefully I'm not going to miss a bunch of crowd here, at a Razorback game. Am I missing a bunch of people here or some, some, like, uh, some like this? 
Okay, we're gonna we're if if I'm if I am, we're gonna go to a different scene. We'll go to the World Cup. I probably miss everybody on that one, right? All right, the soccer World Cup. So just imagine you're at one of those places, right? All the attention of the entire state is focused on that field for the players that are in the game, right? So, so amplify that now with the scene of heaven, the host of heaven, where I don't know if you recall, but do you remember that Jesus at one point when he's on the cross says, if I wanted to, I could call legions of angels. That's not like one legion. This is hundreds and thousands of angels. And if we remember back in the Old Testament, remember that story about, about the king that was looking out? He says, more are with me than are with you. And at one night, one angel took like 800,000 men and wiped them out. So now you've got one angel times millions that can take 180,000 men out that are staring in at, at what? The game. What's the game? Well, that's what we've got to find in this parable, don't we? We know the story now well. We've repeated it several times. Now we know the story. We see the scene. We see the woman who had 10 silver corns. had lost one. The value of that corn was so great that she went after it, right? And it superseded all her other concerns. And not only that, when she found it, she was so overjoyed with what she had found again that she calls her friends and neighbors and rejoiced together. And God said, Jesus said, that it is like this in the kingdom of heaven when one sinner repents. That legions and legions of angels are staring down on the earth stage of the game and seeing sinner repenting. Or someone in the game looking for the sinner, repenting. Amen? So, something that's even super more interesting than that is this particular parable is set in two other, between two other parables. You guys know the parable before is the lost sheep. Where Jesus said there's a shepherd who, who uh, has 100 sheep and one of them wanders off. And he leaves the 99 to go find the one. After that, you have the, the parable of the prodigal son. Oh, so you have, no, sorry, that parable, then you have the parable of the lost coin, then you have the prodigal son. Where the point of the prodigal son is, is, is absolutely the love of the father. But less the love of the father, but the fact that the father leaves the other son to go find the lost one. Is less concerned about the son that is always there. It's always a part of the house. It's always been partaking of God's his goodness, the, the Father's goodness, and leaves that one and gives everything to find the one that is lost. Y'all go up there and read the first part of this verse in chapter 15. We have verses 1 and 2 and 15. I want to set the context for when Jesus is speaking here. Because we have to know the context to understand the main truth, the main point. So before he tells those three parables, he says this. All the tax collectors, this is verse, chapter 15, verse 1. Everybody there? Give me an amen if you're there. Amen. All right. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribe were complaining that this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. One, two, three. Now, this is where it hits. Okay? It's where it hits home. Going to be the, who's going to be the Pharisees and the, and the uh, scribes in this story? And, and who's going to be the tax collectors and the sinners? I mean, if we're real honest with ourselves, let me just see what you think first. 
If we were to take this and apply it to our life today in Middle America Bible Belt America Church, who's the tax collectors and the sinners, and who's the Pharisees and the scribes in this story? That hits. It's the missionaries, the pastors, the church members, song leaders. I'll give it, I'll give it to us all. I won't throw the youth minister on the bus right now because I like him. <laughs> So they're all gathering around. And the thing that, that the Pharisees and the scribes are worried about is that Jesus is welcoming sinners and prostitutes. And, get this, church, Jesus left them to go look for them. You ever wonder why sometimes our churches feel a little dry? Whew, this hits home. This hurts me. My, why is my relationship, my, my quiet time I've had every morning feel a little dry right now? Maybe I should check. When's the last time I've been walking with Jesus going out to find the lost? That hits home, don't it? Say, oh, me or amen, one of the two. You can say it. (laughs) Let's look at this right now. So the main truth truth of this parable is this. That that God so values his creation. That's you and I. And really the rest of the billions of people in the world. He so values us that he gave his only son... That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. But that's, that's really the main truth in these parables. It's not really the main point. You see, the main point is, is, is a little bit different. This is the main principle. Jesus loves sinners, and he wants every sinner to come to himself. Right? The only way that happens is through the gospel. The power of God being the gospel, being proclaimed that Jesus uh, lived as a man, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life, and he's the only one that could be die on the cross for our sins as, as the sacrifice for our sins. And if you would look upon Jesus and believe, just look to Jesus and believe and say, I believe you are the sacrifice, and I can't do it on my own. I am a sinner. Would you come into my heart forgive me of my sins? I want to follow you. And you start following him. That's the only way a person can be saved. It's not something you can do of yourself. You can't work enough. You can't buy enough. You can't give enough. But Jesus can save us. I'm glad I got an amen out of that one. <laughs> I love y'all. I really do. This has been a blessing to be here. Let's look at this one thing real, real quick. Let's not miss the landmine. Let's not... Let's not hit this landmine by not missing it. The religious people of Jesus' day failed to recognize, these religious Pharisees in Christ, failed to recognize and celebrate the passions of heaven. I wish we could go there to see the scene of, of the angels looking down on the stage of the world going, oh, 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 oh that, one, that one's engaging. He's about to share the gospel. Then there are, all their attention focuses right there. They're waiting. They're, they're waiting. To, the gospel is being proclaimed. That person's in the game. There's a lot of people on the sidelines. A lot of people on the sidelines. They ain't focused there. They're focused on that person that's sharing Jesus. Waiting to hear that person repent. And then the crowd goes wild. Amen. That's right. Amen. And they're cheering the games of of these myriads. They're cheering the game of pursuing the lost. Jesus uh, talking to them, 
Luke chapter 5, verse 23 through 32, he says, After this, Jesus went out and saw the tax collector named Levi and sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So leaving everything behind, he, began to, uh, he, he got up and began to follow him. Then the Levi hosted a grand banquet at his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and, and others who were guests with him. But the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining at his disciples, uh, to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus replied to him, The healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Amen. You know, I, I, this, is, this is me. I'm saying this to myself, but I'm going to say it to the church because I believe it's the word of God. How many people do we have in this church? How many people we go to on a daily basis? How many people do I go to on my, in my life on a weekly basis that maybe it might get a little rowdy if they was in church? Maybe a little rowdy. Maybe a little uncomfortable to be around them. They might stink a little bit. I pulled a couple people in my car that have urinated on themselves and they needed a little love from Jesus because they are homeless. I've been people around people that are on drugs. I've been people... And it's not fun sometimes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell a little story on my brother. Yep, this dude was not fun to be around. Sometimes he was probably the most ADH kid I've ever known in my life. Right, and sometimes he was a little annoying. I'm not gonna lie. But sometimes we got to be around those people so that they can come to know the Lord. Sometimes we got to be around those people so they can get discipled and they can share with their other friends. So the main point for us is this. In light of God's truth of his love for sinners, we should align ourselves with God's passion for his lost world and, follow, and not follow the example of the scribes and Pharisees. Do you get that? In light of this truth, of God, we, we, should, we should align ourselves with God's passions. We should be in the game, right? Maybe on a weekly basis, we're in the game one time. Well, then we get an accountability from our friend and say, Brother, pray with me. I want to be in the game at least two times this week. Three times this week. Man, I want to be on mission for God in my entire life. It don't, you, don't have to go to, you don't have to go to be on mission for God. It's going to hurt. Sometimes you just need to go to your family and neighbors be on mission for God. Oh, me? Uh, amen. Both at the same time for me. That's an oh, me and amen. So let's look at this one more time. The... For the hunters and deer fishermen in here, it probably was uh, was about the time that we were ready to go on the mission field, and uh, I had to make a choice between whether I was going to be comfortable or not comfortable. See, the place where we live is, is 98% Muslim, and they're not very friendly to, to uh, Christians, especially those who would like to share their faith and convert their their followers. We're the only family unit in that, in that million uh, people, and where there's the closest family to us is three hours away. There are no known Christians in my people group. Nobody that we even know is a, is a, is a false believer, like an like a undercover, underground believer. So we had to make a choice whether we were going to stay in the comfort of this world or if we were going to uproot ourselves and plant ourselves in a different place that's not so comfortable. And there's effects from that. There's stress on your family, stress on the kids where they got to do homeschool, where they can go, sicknesses. 
Many of you have had miscarriages before. We had a miscarriage on the field. We had uh, one of my daughters got burned pretty badly. Uh, spiritual attacks were happening all the time. One time I remember leaving the place. I remember leaving the place that we were staying in, and the depression just lifted off of me like spiritual warfare was happening. I didn't know it. But you know what? I've made myself pretty uncomfortable in a deer blind and in the river for something that really doesn't matter, a trophy. I like it. I love it. Don't stop deer hunting. Don't stop fishing. <laughs> yes, brother. Come on. But, you know, I could probably get myself a little uncomfortable to do God's work. Don't you think so? So, do you love, do you love and pursue the loss like the passions you have for your hobbies? Passions you have for your families? Passions you have for your work? Passions you have for the other things in life that really don't amount to eternity? I mean, you could be passionate about it. You can go save the whales all you want, save the turtles, but it ain't going to have any results in heaven. And those aren't bad things. Nothing, nothing like that is bad. You can actually recycle all that stuff. It's good stuff. You know what? My, my daughters are probably the first ones to tell you don't eat shark fin tuna. Shark fin soup. Shark fin soup. Don't eat it, right? Because they're pretty... And don't eat the turtle eggs. But you know what? Let's, let's take our passions to the next level. Let's elevate that. So we're going to come to a time of invitation. And, and, and this invitation, really, I'm going to kind of preface on what we want here. I'm convicted by this passage. I'm convicted that, that not only should we be more involved in missions around this uh, city and state, but missions around the world. Now, I'm already over there, right? But I can still be praying more. I can still be giving more, and I can still be going more. I'm not going to talk to you at all about, about giving. You guys can settle that in your own. But I will talk to you a little bit more about praying and going. I'm not asking you to go around the world right now. I'm asking you to pray around the world because that's where the real work is. And I'd love for you guys to begin to, to, to hear about what's going on on a daily basis. We have a secret Facebook uh, page. But praying more about what's going on around the world and praying for Christians that are being persecuted. You know, we have two pastors that are missing. We have four that are missing. We have four that are two that are missing that were probably dead. Because there's some serious work going on. And I don't say that to be like, oh, please don't let that be so heavy that you, don't, that you miss the joy of God and what he's doing around the world. Because those pastors are in glory. Okay? Hear it in the right heart. That the joy and the passions of the, of the Lord are, <laughs> get this, we're invited to take, take part of it. We're invited to play in the game that myriads of angels are going to shout over us. And you're invited today in two ways. One way is, is if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus in your life. Maybe you've been holding on, you've been struggling. By gosh, God loves you so much. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could, I could give you the feeling of how God loves you. He loves you so much, he'll speak to you right there where you are and say, come on down and accept me as your Lord and Savior. Because he wants you to be a part of the game. He wants you to have an eternal place in heaven. And so if you're here today and you've never done that, maybe you're struggling with this too. Maybe you've, you've accepted the Lord in your heart, but you know what? You haven't followed his lordship in believer's baptism. That's you. It's time today to come down, meet Brother Gary, meet Brother Ronnie, meet Brother Galen. 
Say, you know what? This is what I feel the Lord called me to do. I need to be saved. I need to get baptized. You know what? And there's lots of us that are born again believers. We've been believers all our life, a lot of us. I heard a lot of testimonies of the glory of God changing hearts and lives here. But you know what? We really need to affirm our desire of becoming a stranger and an alien to this world. And, and aligning our pursuits and dedicating our hearts once again to the pursuits of heaven. Maybe we've got so tied up in our own world, we, we've, we've missed the passion of the king of heaven having the picture of, of God pursuing the lost and the angels rejoicing over it. Some of us just need to get back into the game. And that's for believers. So there's two ways to respond. One's if you're not a believer to come forward and accept Jesus in your life. And the second is for um, believers who need to re-engage their hearts to, to leave, maybe even leave the 99 to go search for that one. I, I just, I got a feeling we got so much sickness and so much hurt going on in this church right now. I just got, I got, this is, this is from me, but it could be from the Lord. So I want you to hear it the right heart. I really believe that the attacks are coming because you guys are on the verge of something big. And you got to follow through. You got to sweep the house, light the lamp, and search diligently until you find it. Now we're going to close in an in a original poem. And after that poem, we're going to have an invitation. And that's time for you to respond, and, and Brother Gary will take it from there. So I want to close with this poem. Oh, church, have you welcomed the track kids? And the crack kids? Have you invited the hookers and the robbers? Have you eaten with prostitutes and pimps? Or confronted or com- comforted the harlots and the cowards? Well, what do you say, church? Have you humbly helped free the addicted, the adulterers, adulterers homosexual, and more? Have you discipled the criminals, the murderers, the rebel rousers, and the poor? You see, the lifestyle of a true disciple is holy at the point of the cross. Yet, in this world, but not, we count our lives lost. Bring the loss to the cross and come open wide our doors so we won't have a self-righteous house. Empty, lifeless, and bored. Amen, Brother Gary.